Jamie Dupree comes right at you from the Hill in D.C. On the Sean Hannity Show. All right, so he is the most connected man in Washington, D.C. Our top story continues this hour, although not really a big D.C. story. Uh, and that is this plane crash, and investigators now won't reveal the suicide pilot's religious background. Angela Merkel calling it incomprehensible. Norwegian Airlines changing the co- cockpit rules in the wake of the suicide plane crash. And uh, all the latest developments from this. Apparently, hey, he- Sean. How are you? You know, it may not be a D.C. story, but it is in the sense that obviously you and I both know that uh, U.S. intelligence and the FBI and others are uh, looking even more eagerly into this than they were before. And obviously to see if there's any connections between this guy, the co-pilot, and any nexus to terrorism. And when we talked earlier in the week... The initial kind of review didn't show anything, but we both said, well, wait till they find the tapes By and the more. By the way, you were the only one besides me that left the door open. And I, I asked oh, you the question. I think you always have to. Well, you'd think so, but the administration, for one, is racing out almost seconds after th- something like this happens. Well, I mean, what they said was they didn't know at that point of any nexus to terrorism. I mean, I think I didn't know of any either. Uh, but obviously, well, the uh, the but, question still is, is this guy linked to anything or is it just is he crazy or something? Um, yeah, it, it raises all kinds of all right, questions. Let's use our common sense here. Most most plane crashes happen upon either takeoff or landing, not at cruising altitudes where you have this massive descent passing over airports and uh and then got a series of them, though, now, if you think about it. Think of the yeah. ones in Malaysia, uh, the missing plane, you know. Off right, of, there's still, uh, still question marks there about, you know, how does a plane go missing? I'm so, yeah. but, but if you look at the vast majority of plane crashes, it's upon takeoff or descent or related sure. to takeoff or, or landing, excuse me. But this rapid descent into the Swiss Alps made, uh, French Alps made zero sense to me. Yeah, and there, we had the Homeland Security chief up here today. Some members at a hearing mentioned it, but he didn't really take the bait and have anything to say about it. We haven't seen anything yet officially out of the FAA or anything like that, but certainly a lot of lawmakers and a lot of people up here on the Hill watching very closely, you know, wondering if there will be any links that will be brought. I guess the only thing, the one thing that I always sort of look for is there, you know, no claim of responsibility, no one saying that they had trained this guy or anything, but maybe something like that comes out in the days ahead. We'll just have to wait and see. Norwegian Air Shuttle, which is the third largest in Europe, said that they have now ordered new flight regulations that say the two crew members must always be present in the cockpit of a flying aircraft in light of what happened here. Another question is, is apparently they don't do any background checks uh, as it relates to psychological tests on these pilots. Uh, we had one report in the Daily Mail today that said the uh, crash co-pilot suffered from depression. I think the Germans do t- uh, reviews every t- every five years. They used to do them every two years of their pilots uh, to see, but certainly that'll get a big once over. And then, from what I, I I don't know this offhand, but I was I was told today that there are rules about crew members in the cockpit for U.S. flights and more as well. And look, it's it's beyond troubling. More questions oh, yeah. than answers right now. Well, the suicide pilot theory has been out there on a couple of things, uh, yeah. you know, over the last fifteen years and. Even that Malaysian uh, flight you're talking about. Yep. Exactly, where you just you don't know what why, why did it do what it did. It clearly flew in different ways. And as I told you, I, I ran into a guy, a friend of mine in my neighborhood the other day who was involved with the operation to still look for the wreckage of that flight. Yeah. And he indicated to me he thinks that uh, his company is going to keep working and keep going because the Malaysian government simply wants to get answers about it even after all this time. Have they made any progress? Uh, no, they're just looking and looking and looking. I mean, he described to me this huge... Uh, sea search, you know, where they're using the the, the towed 
uh, uh, listening device to, uh, from the ship to try to figure out if they're uh, seeing anything down below. But can you imagine in this day of age, a uh, day and age, how bizarre this is that a plane literally disappeared? Yep. With, with all the technology we have, radar technology, satellite technology, that a, a plane, a passenger plane, evaporates literally into thin air, and nobody has a clue where it and went. We still don't have a clue. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's insane, but. Uh, I'm sure we're going to learn more about this in the days and weeks uh, ahead. Um, all right, let me move on. What is the reaction of the Bo Bergdahl issue? I think it's a, it's about, as we discussed yesterday, for a lot of Republicans, this simply reignites, rekindles their anger at the administration over the original uh, exchange for those five Taliban prisoners. And, you know, I do think it sets up an interesting kind of political dynamic in the months ahead. Does Bo Bergdahl, uh, does he go on trial? Is there a court-martial that lasts for a while? Do these proceedings come back into the news over and over again. Uh, you can sort of look forward and think, you can envision a, a moment where Hillary Clinton is asked, would you have made this swap? And, you know, I, I, I certainly look at it as it dovetails into Republican arguments that this administration's foreign policy has been less than stellar, and especially with the thought that, you know, when is it those five people can leave Qatar? I would assume it's it's later this year, uh, as I understand the deal. That's going to raise the story again. And, you know, uh, I, I don't expect the administration to run away from this, but certainly it's probably something that they wish that, you know, wasn't right there and being talked about uh, in terms of uh, of the story. But obviously it's uh, it's brought it all back for Republicans and for Democrats. A lot of them just sort of staying quiet. Let me go to the issue of this Iranian deal here. We're, we're told, and there's rumors, and there's been reports all day that the deal may be struck as early as Sunday. Yeah, and it makes sense to me, Sean, and I'll tell you why. That happened in the next couple of days, because the Congress is leaving town today, and yeah. they'll be gone now for two-plus weeks. Yeah, so don't do it when Congress is in town, and they can actually find out what's in the deal. So as we understand it, and, and we had the state, Jen Psaki was on with Greta Van Susteren the other night, and literally said that, we may not never we may not ever know what's in that deal. They may never tell us. How could that be possible? Well, we just watched a few weeks ago where the FCC voted on something without showing it to anybody. So I would say yeah. anything is possible. Uh, you know, uh, look, the, there's even the talk that the Iranians really don't want anything written down, that they want a handshake. They want a agreement. handshake. All right, let me play the Greta Van Susteren interview. She did a great job with Jen Psaki. When there is a uh, proposed deal, will the American people get sort of a real strong briefing on it before it's actually signed, sealed, and delivered so that we can have, you know, our thought whether it's a good deal, bad deal, so we can have some input? Or is this going to be signed and then we're going to hear about it? Well, I think it's not about it being signed. It's negotiated uh, uh, between countries, and it's negotiated between leaders of countries. That's traditionally and historically how uh, international negotiations have worked. Uh, got but that, there but will, one, of course, I, I got that. I got that. But once once both sides, suppose Secretary Kerry and President Obama and the Iranian leadership and all the other countries involved say this is a great deal. But before everyone sets, you know, before anyone signs off on it, you know, do the American people get to hear about it in detail? Well, of course, we'll be communicating with the American people and there are components of this, Greta, that will be implemented over time. We'll need Congress to implement uh, pulling back of sanctions if we get to that point. We don't have a deal yet, but I can promise you that if there's a deal, it's something that we'll be communicating uh, quite uh, aggressively with. Uh, about to the American people. The way to make a government responsible is not simply to enlist the services of responsible men and women or to sign laws that ensure that they never stray 
The way to make government responsible is to hold it accountable. And the way to make government accountable is to make it transparent so that the American people can know exactly what decisions are being ma made, how they're being made, and whether their interests are being well served. The directives I am giving my administration today on how to interpret the Freedom of Information Act will do just that. For a long time now, there's been too much secrecy in this city. The old rules said that if there was a defensible argument for not disclosing something to the American people, then it should not be disclosed. That era is now over. Starting today, every agency and department should know that this administration stands on the side, not of those who seek to withhold information, but those who seek to make it known. I guess that, that statement is out the window. Uh, well, it's a statement that never should have been made. I mean, having dealt with administrations of both parties, they talk a big game and then don't release stuff. That's just the way it is. I would assume that when we come back, we'll have lawmakers demanding any details they can get. Uh, I would bet from Republicans there'll be subpoenas, there'll be resistance from the White House, and we'll just have to see what develops in the weeks ahead. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. All right, so we have this happening. So you think it's a possibility because Congress, by the way, they're away for two more weeks. They're gone. Uh, they always take a two-week break around Easter, yeah. the week before Easter, and then the week of Easter. Nice. So after today, they'll be gone until what? Uh, Monday, the 13th of April. All right. So where are we now with this budget issue, which has been going back and forth the last couple of days? The House last night approved the Republicans. It was a big win for Speaker Boehner. It was able to keep everybody together. They only lost, I think it was 17 Republicans in the end who voted against it, sort of a, a group of conservatives and a group of centrists who didn't like the final outcome on the budget. So that budget outline is through the House. Now, the Senate will either approve a GOP budget plan very late tonight or early Friday morning or on Friday, and they'll get done with that. So then after Easter, they'll have to take those two budget outlines you know, figure out a deal, approve that, and then that will then start the, the countdown for them to do the regular spending bills and also move into budget reconciliation later this year so they can try to repeal the health law, change taxes, do some things on Medicare and entitlements. So as of right now, they're taking that step forward. It looked like last week that maybe the big battles over defense spending might cause some issues, but they seem to be moving ahead on that. One interesting note, I noted that since Monday, since Ted Cruz announced his uh, candidacy for the White House, he had not been here for a couple of days. He came back today so he wouldn't miss this huge slew of votes. We had a couple of interesting votes already sort of relating to matters that might come up in a campaign. For example, Marco Rubio offered an amendment that would have uh, added more defense money that lost on a 68 to 32 vote. Then uh, Rand Paul put up a money that's, uh, an amendment that said, OK, more defense money, but you have to offset the cost of that in order to pay for it. His amendment lost 96 to 4. Unbelievable. All right. So what else do we have in the final flurry of hours that these guys actually work for the pay that we give them? What, do we, what else they got? Well, the, the doc fix bill got through in the House of Representatives. And I know this is sort of a wonky, uh, you know, kind of story, but I do think it's very important on several levels. First, what this would do is get rid of a flawed effort from a 1997 balanced budget effort by the Republicans back when they were in charge in the post-Newt Gingrich, Gingrich era that would have reduced the amount of money paid out to Medicare providers. It was the way they were trying to hold down on health care costs. It, uh, they kept delaying it every year. They would delay it and find some way to offset the money that should have been brought in. And it was up now to a 21% cut in doctors' uh, premium payments to doctors. They're never going to let that happen. So they came up with this agreement, Speaker Boehner and Nancy Pelosi. And to everybody's amazement, it was approved uh, easily today. 392 to 37, I think, was the final vote. It was mainly Republicans voting against it, but there were some liberal Democrats sprinkled in there as well. And to me, it was interesting on several fronts. First, each side got something they wanted. For example, Democrats wanted to reauthorize the Children's Health Insurance Program. They got that for two more years. Republicans have been asking for years to basically means test Medicare uh, Medicare premiums. They have, uh, I always found this really interesting. I remember in 1980 when I was first up here, I couldn't understand. Everybody told me the Republicans protected the rich. 
But whenever the issue came up about entitlements and the Republicans suggested means testing benefits for very wealthy seniors, the Democrats opposed that. This is the first time I can ever remember the Democrats giving that the go ahead. It basically says if you're making over a hundred and uh, I think it was a hundred and forty thousand dollars as an individual and about two hundred eighty thousand as a uh, as a couple for seniors making an adjusted gross income, then you'll have to pay more for Medicare benefits, uh, Medicare premiums in the future. So things like that to change sort of the dynamic on entitlements. Yeah, wait till that wait till that means testing results in if you if you have five dollars in the bank, uh, you have enough money to live on. We're not going to give you the social security money you paid in your entire life. Well, uh, look, we're talking about people making a lot of money each year. People with incomes incomes of over a hundred forty thousand. Well, I understand. I, but I'm just saying this is this is the Pandora's box that's going to be open. Well you know, it's interesting because for years it was the it was the Democrats who opposed anything like this. The Republicans would always raise it, and the Democrats would reject it. So each side gave a little. They got something done, and they took away this doc fix thing, which, frankly, Sean, has been a completely bogus kind of issue that's been out there. Neither party has wanted to address it. We'll see if it gets through the Senate either before they leave or after they come back after Easter. All right, Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington. Sir, thank you. It's always a pleasure. See you, Sean. All right, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we have James O'Keefe is coming up. Uh, We'll have the latest on this, well, airline disaster that has happened. You know, how could this possibly happen where a pilot gets locked in the cockpit and, and plows this plane into the French Alps? It's unbelievable. And, of course, don't worry, it's not terror. Everyone's telling you, don't worry, it can't be terror. They won't tell you anything about the pilot now. Anyway, so if you're like me and you don't like getting ripped off, you know, when you go to an ATM machine, they charge you to take out your own money. It's your money. Or when you get your cable bill, there's the mystery service charge. What service did I get? I didn't get any service in my house. I don't know about you. Anyway, I hate that. And it's financial death, like, by a million cuts. And it's worse when you don't know that it's happening. Now, every one of us, we all have cell phones. The average person, every two seconds, somebody's breaking their cell phone, dropping it in toilets, leaving it on top of your car and driving off. I mean, there's so many ways to break your cell phone. So having insurance for your cell phone is a smart thing to do. Most of you, though, are getting your insurance through your provider, Sprint, AT&T, Verizon. Well, if that's the case, you're paying 10 or 11 bucks a month for insurance and $199 deductible. Well, squaretrade.com allows you to keep your current carrier, but pay half as much, only 5 bucks a month, to protect your cell phone, and you have a much lower deductible. So if you're the average person, you're going to be putting $250 per phone per year in your pocket. So stop overpaying. Go to squaretrade.com. You know, 5% of smartphones only end up in washing machines. 6% get left on top of cars. 9% fall in the toilet. So do the smart thing. Get squaretrade.com, squaretrade.com. That's squaretrade.com, and you'll save a lot of money and put that money back where it belongs in your pocket. We'll continue. For those of you experiencing fainting spells because of Obama mania, our president has some advice. Make sure you're drinking water. Bend your knees. Don't stand up too straight. The paralegals will be... Or the, the, the paralegals. You don't need lawyers. This is the Sean Hannity Show. News 95.5 and AM 750.